Daisy, one of the elders here, and uh, just again on behalf of the church, we want to thank you for visiting uh, with us this morning. Trust your time with us is meaningful. <clears throat> you know, I don't watch the news all that much. Uh, I'm just going to be honest about it. But there are some specific things that I do watch in reference to the news, okay? And it usually has something to do with sports, okay? That's, I'm just going just gonna to put it out there, okay? So I, I follow a lot of sports things, okay? So, uh, you know, the, the undisputed thing with, uh, with uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, and they just fight back and forth, and you're supposed to be getting news, but really you're just watching them fight one another. Uh, but really, uh, it's, it's fun for me. I enjoy it. It's definitely a, a stress relief, if you will. It's a, it's a quick two-minute, oh, that's, that's fun to watch, and, and, and I love sports. I love to see what, what is going on in the world of sports. You know, a couple days ago, something significant happened in the world of sports. Do you know that? Yeah. Right? So the unthinkable happened. You know, I grew up uh, watching sports in the 90s, and we all recognize the iconic figure of the 90s. That is Michael Jordan. Yes, it is. And uh, he did the unthinkable. He scored at least 10 points in a game for 866 straight games. That's like 12 years. That's a long time. And the unthinkable occurred. Now, my son's excited because he's been saying for quite some time, LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. And I just tell him, you don't understand. Uh, and you probably never will. But on Friday, LeBron James scored 10 points in 867 straight games. That's a long time. That is a massive accomplishment, right? Take it for what it's worth. So maybe you say, oh, I'm not really into basketball. I'm, I'm, I'm a swimmer. Well, I'm not a swimmer. So I'm, this is my attempt to care for people that are unlike me, okay? So I'm not a swimmer, all right? Uh, but recently, there was this Florida swimmer, University of Florida swimmer, who did the unthinkable. He swam a 50-yard freestyle. I don't even know what that means, okay? <laughs> but he swam this 50-yard freestyle in 17.63 seconds. That is fast, okay? It takes me 17.63 seconds to commit to the pool, right? It kind of, <laughs> you know? That's fast. A world record. Many people say it'll never be beaten, right? That's the nature of these kind of amazing accomplishments. Like, that no one will ever do that. And then someone shocks us. They do. They beat it. And uh, we are left in awe. So you see, LeBron James, congratulations. Caleb Dressel as well. Uh, in the swimmers, what, what accomplishments that they are. And yet, at the end of the day, as amazing as these accomplishments are, and maybe so far away from anything that we might be able to accomplish in our lives, the truth of the matter is, is that you can watch that video, you can watch that highlight, you can look at it and go, yeah, that happened, and that's amazing, and then you can turn the channel, and you can immediately forget about it, right? At the end of the day, 
the fact of the matter is, is, as great as those accomplishments are, they have absolutely no bearing on our lives, do they? Right? I mean, you know, the Eagles fans, right? Their, their, their beloved Eagles won the Super Bowl this year. All right? and, and that affected your life, right? right? It just took away that 50-year shame that goes, yeah, I guess it affected your life. But for the most part, all these human accomplishments in the world of athletics, they're amazing, but at the end of the day, they don't really affect our lives in a meaningful way. They don't really apply. Maybe you've heard of the name Timothy John Berners-Lee, also known as Tim B.L., to nickname. Some of you may already know who I'm talking about. He's an English engineer, computer scientist. Well, in, in March 1989, he implemented the first successful communication between a hypertext transfer protocol, otherwise known as HTTP, and a server via the internet. Matt's like, he has no idea what he's talking about. I, I, I don't. In mid-November of the same year. So he connected two dots, and basically in August 1991, the World Wide Web was online. So he invented, sorry Al Gore, he invented the internet. In 1995, there were 16 million internet users. That's a lot, 1995. Today, in uh, 2017, however, there are over 4 billion internet users across the globe, over 50% uh, of the world population. So that human accomplishment was an amazing feat. And unlike the athletic accomplishments per se, this had a profound impact on our lives, didn't it? It radically transformed society. This was the fastest growing communications medium of all time. The internet has changed the shape of modern life forever, one reporter said. What an accomplishment that has immediate and profound application to life. Radically reshaped society, the modern life uh, altogether. So today, we remember and we make some pretty bold claims about Jesus Christ. We make claims about who He is. Still. Because while He died a horrific death, which we talked about on Friday. The Scriptures teach, and the church is boldly proclaiming, even now, that Jesus is alive. That the Jesus that died is alive and is well living forever. We sing together, the church across the globe and throughout the ages, we sing, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. 
We say today that this accomplishment of Christ in his resurrection is one like, unlike any other. And so let me ask you a question this morning. I want to be very direct today. Very personal. I want to ask you a personal question. What does this resurrection matter to you personally? Does this accomplishment of Christ have application to your life? Does it have application to your identity, who you are as a person? Does it have any application to your relationship with God? Does it have any application to your relationship to sin? Does it have any application? To your destiny. I want to be very personal today. Very direct. I want to talk to you. In many ways, if I can, in the same way that when I sat in the pew as a young boy, the preacher stood up and preached the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that I felt like he was talking to me. That God was looking into my eyes, He was looking into my heart, and He was speaking directly to me. And every word that came out of His mouth, every truth that He boldly declared, was one that I personally was being affected by. And it was radically changing everything about me. I don't want this accomplishment of Jesus to just be something that we give the golf clap to at a sporting event. As if Jesus were some sort of spiritual uh, super athlete hero, and that we're on that, we cheer for the Christian team. If you know what I'm saying. I want this to be personal today. What is this accomplishment of Jesus have any application to you? I'm telling you that it does. And I'm going to show you how. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. Verse 5 in Romans chapter 6 says this, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion 
over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fade and the word of our God abides forever. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Resurrection Sunday celebrates an accomplishment. That's what we're here to do this morning. We're here to celebrate an accomplishment. An accomplishment of Jesus Christ. Something that He did. Something that He accomplished. First of all, if you look at verses, and I'm going to go down to to verse 9 and 10. We're going to start there. Looking at verse 9 and 10, if you have your Bibles, would love for your eyes to be on it. If not, it'll be on the front as those awesome people in the back are able to put it up there. It says this, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. So immediately we see Christ's accomplishment is found in his death. That seems a little morbid. That seems a little odd. That seems a little off-putting. Yes, we are here to declare unapologetically that Christ accomplished much in his death. Christ's accomplishment is found in his death. Before we discuss any other aspect of Christ's accomplishment, we have to talk about his death. You look at this short passage, there's 11 references to death. It seems a little odd, right? It's Easter. It's it's time for the bunnies and the eggs. We're not talking about the death, right? It's a little weird, man. This guy's a little sick. But the, the passage tells us that the significance of what Christ has done, and which we are pointing to today, is found for sure, foundationally, in his death. That Christ has accomplished much in his death. Christ alone in his death was able to fulfill the Old Testament scripture and promises. That's what he accomplished. No one else was able to do that. Christ did. He accomplished it. Christ, if you go back to the narratives in the Gospels, you'll see that he's talking about him obeying the Father. I'm I'm listening to the Father's voice. I'm doing what the Father says. Going back to Isaiah 53, which was promised that that it would be the will of the Father that he would be crushed, that he would die. That's what Jesus is accomplishing. The will of the Father. He alone, in his death, is fulfilling and obeying the will of his Father. Jesus talks about glorifying his Father while he's on earth, accomplishing that which the Father had given him to accomplish. And what does he do? In his death, that's exactly what he does. We're reminded here in Romans that Jesus died. That he accomplished much in his death. And we know that he lays down his life. Right? As 
the great shepherd of the sheep, that no one is taking his life, that he is actively, willfully, voluntarily laying down his life so that he might complete the will of the Father and obey his Father's commands. Christ's death was an accomplishment. Don't miss that. But not only that, we see the emphasis, just like there's an emphasis on his death, there is a great emphasis on his resurrection, him being raised from the dead. Yes, it was Friday. Yes, he suffered immensely, gruesomely. He, he, was, he bled. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was mocked. He was spit at. Yes, he was shamed. He was hung on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He died. But that's not the end of the story, you see. The scriptures tell us that on the third day, just as he promised, he rose victoriously from the grave. That's what we boldly declare to you today. And I want you to hear that. You're hearing something completely different in society today. You're hearing that he was a good man, that he lived and that he died. End of story. But the scriptures teach this. That he lived and that he died, but on the third day, he rose again from the grave, just as he said. And his resurrection is an accomplishment unlike any other. He's alive. I want you to hear that. Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive. He's not dead. Right? He's raised from the dead, verse 9. He will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The life he lives, he's currently living. He lives that to God. Christ's resurrection was an accomplishment that we cannot ignore. And thus, as one who is raised from the dead, the unthinkable, he did something that no one else had ever done. He conquered death. Did you hear that? That is the great enemy of the human race, no matter where you stand in the religious spectrum. That is the human problem and predicament that no one can solve. We all are headed to the grave. We are all going to die. It's inescapable in human terms. I don't care where you fall on that. You have to accept that as fact. You are facing death at some point. That's reality. But Jesus faced it. He stared it down. And I don't remember who said this, but death blinked. Death blinked when Jesus stared at it. He conquered the grave. He defeated death in his resurrection from the dead. I love Revelation chapter 1. Where John has this vision of Jesus. And when when John sees Jesus, he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I'm the first and the last, the living one. Jesus is the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And he says, I have the keys. I've got the keys of death 
and of Hades. What does that mean? Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in charge. He has authority over death and its realm. Jesus has the keys. He's victorious over the grave. He was able to defeat what no one in human history has ever been able to defeat. Death. Don't miss that. Don't be so awed by Sports Center. Don't be so awed by what you see on the news, by what, what uh, Tesla's doing out in Mars, whatever they're doing. Don't be so awed by human accomplishment. Jesus did what no human was ever capable of doing, defeating our greatest enemy, your greatest problem, death. He's victorious over it. He has the keys. Leon Morris says this, it is Jesus Christ who is Lord, not death. Amen? It is Jesus Christ who is Lord, not death. Christ's death and resurrection goes on to say it's a, it's a, it's a once for all accomplishment. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. It denotes this definitive, unique, complete this singularity, one scholar said. His death was unique. It was once for all de dealing with sin. There is no other death, no other resurrection. It is His death, His resurrection, once for all, that has dealt with sin and defeated death. In many ways, you could say that Easter is nothing about you. It has nothing to do with you. Resurrection Sunday has nothing to do with you, you could say. Stop being so self-consumed. Stop thinking that it's always about you. 2018, we, we can't see the world without uh, uh, our own self-centeredness being the lens by which we look through it. It's all about me. And so we could even approach Easter, it's, it's all about me. We can even approach Resurrection Sunday. We can approach church. It's all about me. Life is all about me. Here, let me tell you something. Resurrection Sunday, as a historic event that it celebrates, the accomplishment of Christ, it has nothing to do with you on the one hand. It's what Christ has done in this world. Died and has been raised from the dead, victorious over Satan's sin and death. Christ did it once for all in history. Apart from you, he did it. Objective fact. And I thought I would never say this in church. Especially in today's society. But let me be very clear. Resurrection Sunday is about you. Not primarily. But consequently. It's about you. It's personal. Because again, this work of Christ, this accomplishment of Christ was for a people. It was for their sins. It was for their victory over their enemies. It was for someone. It's very personal. 
It celebrates an accomplishment. But Resurrection Sunday also celebrates the application of this accomplishment. It's meant to be received objectively, yes, but experienced and known. It's meant to be personal. It's meant to change your life, your identity, your destiny. It's not meant to be something that we just look at over there. It's something that we're to appropriate as our own. I find myself increasingly passionate these days for us to, for this to be real in us, through us. We're so good in suburban culture of the, of, of the smile and the nod of a spirituality that is skin deep, that's surface only. So easy for us to do the right things on the outside, to, to wear the right clothes, to say the right things. But at the end of the day, is this real? Is it personal? Is it radically transforming who we are? That's what it was meant to do. This work of Jesus, this death and resurrection, was not meant to just be something that we understand as a theory and a concept out there in the spiritual world for us to consider and talk about and do the golf clap at. It's something that is to be radically reshaping who we are as people. So I'm asking you again, does this matter to you what Jesus has done? Has it affected you? Is it applying to you? Is it changing your identity? Is it changing your destiny? Is it doing anything to your relationship with God? Is it changing your relationship to your sins? That's what this is about today. It's about Christ, amen, but it's about you. celebrates an application nine times in verses five through eight we get pronouns we or our you know you look at verse 11 you see paul telling the romans he's talking about jesus his death and resurrection but then he looks at the romans he says so you also very personal for them so you also And that's really the title of the message this morning. Christ has died and has risen. And we want to look at you and and, and reaffirm your standing and say, so you also. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Meant to be applied to a people. If if you've ever read the book of Romans, you'll, you'll flip back and you see who the we are. And I think that's important for us today. The we of this passage are those who have seen and understood the the accomplishment of Jesus Christ and have said, I place all of my faith, my hope, and my trust in Him and in Him alone. They are the we of this passage. 
So I want to put it out there for you. As you see this accomplishment, do you trust in it? Do you believe in his accomplishment? If so, Romans 6 tells us that we're united with him in his death and resurrection. While he's talking about these people, and you have these nine pronouns, we and our, you never have a pronoun that's isolated from another person, Jesus. We've been united, we've been united with him. In a death like his, we are certainly united with him in a resurrection like his. We know our old self was crucified with him. It's like Paul can't conceive of their identity and their standing apart from Christ. He can't conceive of their existence, who they are, without Christ. You see, that's the beauty of salvation. Is that when we, when we place our faith, hope, and trust in Christ, our whole person, our whole identity is literally personally connected to Him. We are in Him. He is in us. That are, We can't really conceive of our life apart from that person of Jesus. Is that you today? Are you personally, vitally, organically, spiritually connected to Christ? Do you see yourself, your past, your present, your future, all that you are united, sharing in Jesus Christ? That's how the application of what Christ has accomplished takes place through union with Jesus. He's telling us that for those who are united with Christ, all that He has accomplished for you is applied to you. All that He has accomplished for you is applied to you. He's saying we're united with Jesus in His death. That while in a very real sense He died for us, on the other hand, in a very real way, by faith, we died with Him. Right? Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Right? Jesus died for us. And yet, by faith, we recognize that we died with Him. That our old self was crucified with Him. That the body of sin might be brought to nothing. You see, that's it. That when we're united to Jesus in His death, we can walk in newness of life because the body of sin has been abolished. It's been removed because we have been set free from sin. What good news that is for us today. Some of you are struggling with very intense and dark sins. Some of you feel the clutches of sin and temptation and disobedience. You feel like you'll never get out. You feel enslaved. But what we're trying to reassure you of here today, that the resurrection of Jesus reassures us that we've been crucified with Him, that the body of sin has been set aside, it's been destroyed, and that we have been set free from the tyranny of sin. 
we no longer have to obey its commands. That's what the power of the resurrection teaches. That's what union with Christ does. If He's been set free, if He's been raised from the dead, then we too have been set free. We too have been freed from sin. And so, in a very real way, a very personal way, we're united with Him in His death. That's why Dietrich Bonhoeffer says when Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. It's a very real, spiritual death that takes place. And that is wonderful news. That is wonderful news for us who are stuck and caught in the clutches of sin, who find ourselves far from God in our own rebellion, living life on our own terms. That that old self, that old identity, where we stand condemned in our sin, that old self, that old identity has been washed away. It's been abolished. It's been clean. It has been crucified with Jesus. But not only that, it says that we are united with Him in His resurrection. We're not just united with Jesus in His death. He says we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Union with Christ in His resurrection means that we will never die again. Did you hear that? It says Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. And if we've been united with Him in a resurrection like His, we will never die again. Did you hear that? We will never die again. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You believe in me. You will never die. What a bold claim. What a promise. What a hope for people who've been living with such hopelessness in the face of death. Now, does that mean that Physically, we will never die? No. We do that. Our bodies are wasting away. But spiritually, when we're united to Christ, we're united to Him in His resurrection, which means, spiritually, we will never die. There's no fear of death. Because Christ has the keys. And He has dominion and and authority over death. It's not a fear for us to have. We can stare uh, death down as well. Because we have been united to Jesus Christ in His resurrection. It's gotten real personal for us. The resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, union with Him, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, new has come. Union with Christ. For those of us who've been united with Christ by faith in Him, 
total reliance upon him, all that Christ has accomplished for you is applied to you. So rethink yourself. That's what Paul's saying here. He's concluding, right? Verse 11. So think again about yourselves. Think again about your identity. Think again about your destiny. Think again about how you relate to sin. You've been united with Christ by faith. Your old self has died. Your new self is alive to God in Christ Jesus. We've been united with Him in His resurrection. And that's what Resurrection Sunday celebrates, right? An accomplishment done for you. But an accomplishment that is being applied to you as we receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. And when we receive it, its application radically transforms who we are. There's a certain amount of frustration in a preacher that you can't make this real when you preach it. You can't argue it well enough. You can't, you can't guarantee that this illustration and that point is really going to convince someone, that it's really going to make it work. There's no assurance of that. You see, you'd love in a, in a human perspective to be able to say it in a certain way to make everybody buy in because you believe in something so strongly and you know what people need. But that, that's not my role. That's, that's not what I do here. I put forth to you what the Scriptures teach. That Jesus died and He was raised. And if you believe in Him, that He will, he will unite, him to, uh, unite you to Himself. And every blessing that He has accomplished... He will apply to you. He will make you His own. There's no argument to make it personal for you. But I just wonder if there's someone here today whom the Spirit of God is doing what He does. Who's all of a sudden ear is attentive to this. It's not even really that good. It's not that logical. It's he didn't share a cute story that was compelling. But the Spirit of God's working on your heart. And for the first time, or maybe the second or third time, you've been kind of questioning and resisting. You've been doubting for years. But maybe today, the Spirit of God is opening your eyes and opening your ears and the Spirit of God is taking residence in your heart, and He's doing what only He can do, taking the accomplishment of Jesus Christ and applying it to the deepest part of your soul. And while it never made sense before, and the sermon's not that great today, you know that it's real. And you know that it's true. And even now, your heart is being warmed. Your spirit is being made new through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ personally applied to you. 
So let me ask it again. What does it matter to you that Jesus died and was raised? Does this accomplishment have any application to your life, your identity, your relationship to God, your relationship to sin? Does it affect at all your destiny? Will you trust in Jesus today? Will you trust in His death? Will you believe in Christ's resurrection? Will you receive salvation from Him today for what it is? Union. Connection. Intimate. Vibrant. Connection with Jesus Christ and with God. Will you stop giving yourself over to sin? Will you stop believing the lies of the enemy that tell you that you're someone and something that you are not? My fear is if you don't say yes to those things, that you will join in the host of thousands upon thousands of people who've basically treated Christ as some sort of super athlete spiritually. That they're willing on an occasion to give a golf clap to. They want to be on the quote-unquote winning team. Don't do that today. Receive Him. Trust Him. Rely upon Him. Run into His arms. And may His accomplishment be personally applied to every one of you here. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we praise You for what You did in Christ. For us. We did not deserve this. We did not earn this. We confess that so many of us have grown numb and cold and even doubtful of Your victory over death. Satan, and sin. We pray that the Spirit of God would enter our hearts and warm us and draw us and enliven us and illuminate us and show us the truth and change who we are. Give us joy in Christ, hope in Christ, righteousness in Christ, love in Christ, mercy in Christ. Give us one another in Christ. Give us community in Christ. Friendship in Christ. Give us eternal life in Christ. Give us freedom from sin in Christ. Give us new marriages where we represent the gospel 
to the world in Christ. Give us freedom from addiction in Christ. Give us a sense of purpose and destiny in Christ. Give us security in Christ. Give us peace of mind in Christ. Give us all things in Christ. For He is all. And all God's people said.